and joking too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all That's the sound of a party. You sound well, a little out of practice on that I, one. I felt a little out of practice. So you on didn't it. have enough breath to start. That you want to try it one more time? You, you know what it was? Is because we missed last week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine <laughs> radio show, a podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. It is episode number two. Uh, I'm sorry, number three hundred and four. That's easy. It's halfway to three hundred and thirty-three. We are, and Just we're excited about half, getting there. Get... So I guess I should explain our absence last week. We were forced to to miss the show because on the day we were recording the show, um, I couldn't. I live in downtown Houston. I couldn't get out of downtown. Downtown was a nut because the Astros had just won the World Series, and that was the day they did the parades. You you know the one where they booed Ted Cruz for like forty five minutes straight while he. (laughs) You you gotta love this, right? You work all your life to become a senator. You get elected to one of the most important offices in government. You ride in a parade in your hometown where your hometown team just won the World Series and everybody's so excited they're just beside themselves and they all stop to boo you for the entire course of the route. Welcome to Texas. (laughs) Welcome to Texas, yeah. It's not as bad as Philadelphia where they booed Santa Claus, but it's close. (laughs) Did you ever see that uh, that rant that... uh uh, what's his name did the, on the com- oh what's the comedian's name we went and saw him live Bill Burr Bill Burr that Bill Burr did in Philadelphia because yeah were so, yeah <laughs> they were so not friendly <laughs> yeah city of brotherly love and off he goes but anyway right uh, but ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show we uh, it's it's not last week's show but it's this week's show and we're happy to be doing it because we are joined uh, by our our friend or Ian's friend from uh, a long time back actually and vintage uh, spirits expert. Robin McAdams. Robin, welcome to the show. I've known hey, this doing? guy since the 90s. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah since the 90s, right. And, <laughs> and when we say vintage spirits expert, this is a guy that goes hunting around the country and maybe even around the world for vintage uh, spirits. Have you, do you ever hunt outside the U.S.? No, uh, not really. I've been to Mexico, but that's yeah. uh, America is where the good good bourbon is, at least. So what he right, so what he does is he goes and finds these bottles that have been lost and forgotten on liquor store shelves, uh, maybe gathering a lot of dust, and uh, looks for the true treasures and, uh, and collects them. How many bottles in your collection right now? Uh, I'm at uh, around 2,000. Around 2,000 bottles. Yeah. Collected. That's a couple more than I have. <laughs> and and I bought all mine at a store that's like you know a, a, about a mile and a half from my house. So <laughs> not all of them, but you, you know what I'm saying. You know, people people uh, when they come over to my house, they look at my collection like, oh, you really like bourbon? Yeah, so you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, there are right. guys out there. Right. Well, so, I'll, I'll tell you, it should. It actually was. Uh, um, it, it was. It, it was never meant to be that many bottles. But every every time you find something, there's a story to it, and so you see, get attached to that. it. See, I love that. Yeah. See, we and we've talked about that a little bit in when we've talked about packaging and marketing of spirits and of beers and other things. That uh, you know, there are some who are a little like, oh, yeah, don't give me all that story. That's all made up. Blah 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 blah. But there's others like myself. Like I want to know. The story. Tell yeah. me a little bit about yeah. the story. And I would imagine with 
vintage spirits, things from way, way back in the day, the stories are even more interesting and complex, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, there's uh, nothing is straight cut. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and so yeah. it's really fun. It's it's a piece of American, it's Americana, really. Whenever I'm watching a, a show like an older Western or something like that, and I <laughs> see them going into the bar and drinking whiskey, right. I always always wonder if it's any good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, ever watch, you ever watch Deadwood? You, you see yeah, Deadwood, yeah, right? They Deadwood. made a point of trying to be as accurate with their bourbon as, as possible. Oh, really? That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you see bottles of, like, old Weller antique from the 1800s. and Well... And, and wow, that probably cost them something. Huh? Right. Well, they weren't. I'm sure it wasn't real bourbon, but the the labels were real. They've... So I will. I think I mentioned this on the show back when it happened, but there was an episode this last year of Star Trek Picard, where Picard goes like it's like a flashback or some sort of time jump thing or whatever. Picard winds up back in time at a bar that I think I think was in the 2000s, right? And uh, gets poured a bottle of whiskey, and I don't off the top of my head, but gets poured from a bottle of whiskey. I don't off the top of my head remember what whiskey it was, but I do know it immediately became referred to as the Star Trek whiskey and sold out everywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because it was an actual, real whiskey that you could buy, you know, here in the United States. And uh, That's cool. And, uh, yeah, it was a bourbon, if I recall. I'll, I'll go back and look it up. I know we talked about it when it happened, and I had the name. I, I love it when Star Trek does that. They yeah. do their flashbacks to... You know, or yeah. like when they jumped to do a time jump, like Next Generation did that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and they come back in time, and you you get to see how accurate they are at right. portraying things. And in this case, with the whiskey, they were very accurate, and it was a it was a small distillery that. Uh, you know, had some apparently had a fan somewhere in the uh, in the inner workings in the Star of Trek universe. Star Trek that uh, that that brought it out for a prop on the show. So awesome. Anyway, kind of cool. Uh, well, we'll talk a lot about whiskey, specifically about uh, vintage whiskey and what what drives you to do this collection. We'll do a little bit of uh, tasting here later on in the show, as I know you brought uh, some old hickory from how many years ago? Uh, so I brought three bottles of Old Hickory. Uh, two of them are, were bottled 60 years ago. Okay. Wow. Uh, and then one was bottled in 2005. So what is that? Yeah, seven, 18 years yeah. ago. All right. So so there's quite a bit of age on uh, especially those first two. So it'll be really yeah. interesting. And one is a uh, is kind of a regular whiskey, and the other is a bottled in bond exactly. under proof. So yeah, they're both six years aged, and uh, but one's 86 and one is 100. Proof bottled and bond. Well, this will be a fun bourbon show. I'm looking forward to doing that and and, and contrasting and comparing them. Yeah. That that will be absolutely awesome. Plus, uh, hearing some of your stories about what you have found sure, as you yeah. as you've traveled the country. Uh, we do want to, uh, uh, of course, ask Ian our, our regular weekly question here. Ian, have you? Uh, I was young and needed the money. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not. <laughs> had an opportunity to smoke anything interesting. Uh, I did. I, I went by uh, Casa this morning. So I had mm-hmm. Steve and the guys over there. Um, they're always super nice. And I, I kind of looked around. I didn't see a whole lot of stuff, uh, a whole lot of super new stuff. I saw a couple things, and I picked up one of them. It well, you know, the, a lot of stuff, a lot of the new stuff came out, you know, like a month or so right, ago. Right, right, right. And if you've covered that territory Yeah, already. so I've already, seen, I've already seen a lot of that stuff. But one, uh, one yeah. I just found uh, that I hadn't seen before. Now, it may have been out for uh, a month or two, but I hadn't seen it yet, was the uh, Osner Family Cigars Bosphorus. Oh, cool, cool. So I picked up the... D50. This is a 4x50 cigar. It was adorable. It was it was like 4 inches by 50. You'll see it in the picture yeah, right yeah. here. <laughs> right there, yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a Ecuadorian wrapper, Ecuadorian binder, uh, Nicaraguan filler. The appearance, kind of a ruddy brown, super tight box pressed. Uh, firm feel overall, smooth with a few veins. Um, it had uh, two bands on it, the Osgener band and a uh, secondary Bosphorus band. Os- Osgener was the... 
president of CAO. I believe he's okay. the O in CAO. So I can I can help you with this because I know him. Oh, okay. Uh, Tim Osgener. Well, I should have just asked you to br- come on the show. Uh, yeah, you should have. So you you should invite me on sometime. Uh, <laughs> Tim Osgener uh, was the son. He's probably you know my age, maybe 10 years younger uh, at the most. Um, he was the son of Kano Osgener. Kano Osgener was the C and the A and the O in CAO. Oh. And he was the guy that, that birthed the brand and they they made some excellent cigars uh tim his son kind of came up in the business behind him and learned it all and i met tim at a big smoke in new york city and got a chance to sit and talk with him for like a half an hour oh nice and and he's just this super nice very cigar intelligent uh kind of guy was really really into the industry and all of that uh and then about five years later um, CAO was bought by I, right. think, I think by General, uh, right? One of them, uh, one, yeah. by one of, one of the bigger cigar companies, and uh, they cashed out. A couple years after that, Cano passed away, and so fast forward to last year, Tim Osgener, the guy that I got to hang out with and 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 really really liked, announced that he's getting back into the cigar business and launched the Osgener Cigar yeah, Company. When and CAO that's the, that's sold, when, he kind of disappeared right, from the scene. Right. He's For also like 10, 12 years. He's yeah. also uh, apparently kind of one of the uh, silent owners of uh, Crowned Heads. Ah, interesting. That so makes sense. apparently there was there was whispers about him being part of uh, Crowned Heads for a number of years, but he was never like never and, showed himself. And so, so now he's and now come he out has. put his name on right, this so new cigar. Crowned Heads is putting out this cigar. Okay, great. <clears throat> Uh, under the Oz, Osgener family cigars. Well, I'm, I'm really label, excited so. to hear your review because I was a big fan of CAO. Still am. Uh, but especially a big fan back when the Osgener family ran well, it. CAO, and, CAO tanked for a while and yeah. it is now coming back with yeah. some things. So. As, as did Camacho, as yeah, did a yeah, number of yeah. companies that got bought. Yeah. So uh, I had a friend that accidentally bought a uh, Gurkha the other night and exploded about halfway through, <laughs> by the way. Accidentally so bought a Gurkha. has not Gurkha. come back completely. Oh, man. Well, who knows how old that Gurkha was? It could have been from the exploding Gurkha era. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, like, so anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, the pre light sniff on this, I got a lot of barnyard early. Earth, uh, fermented hay and a little bit of tea leaf on the foot. Um, the pre-light draw on this, I used a punch on this. It had a light draw to it. Uh, barnyard and earth leather on the lips. Uh, you know how it leaves that mm-hmm. little kind of yep. Uh, sweet. Uh, the initial light on a sweet Nicaraguan uh, pepper blast. Nice. It's the only way I can describe it because it was it had that Nicaraguan pepper blast, but it was sweet it was on sweet. top of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, it was leather and spicy, tangy leather and pepper finish. Uh, retro hail was peppery and woody. The first third of this, interestingly tangy, sweet leather kind of flavor going on. Rich earth, mm. touches of coffee, mocha, and cayenne. Bright uh, fruit and fresh cut grass all take turns on the first hill of this flavor roller coaster. Retro hail is cedar and lemon pepper. Uh, solid ash, perfect burn. The second third of this, rounding the curve in the next dip and climb, salt and earth are big features on this, uh, along with tangy leather, cayenne, and an undefinable citrus fruit and sweetness going on mm. uh, all throughout this. Uh, just around the next banking turn, an underlying nuttiness appears. You notice I got this roller coaster thing going on. You do, yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your, yeah, I appreciate your attempts at least. You know at how this happens, literary. right? Is I'll say something. Somewhere in there, like I think what I said is I put on this 
flavor roller coaster, and I was like, okay, now it's a roller coaster ride. Because yeah. <laughs> you're sitting in the cigar lounge, right, right, at, uh, and you and your brain, and I literally en- have nothing better. You're to enjoying do. the cigar, and <laughs> off goes your brain. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So uh, just around the next banking turn, an underlying nuttiness appears. Retro hail is cedar and lemon pepper, uh, solid ash, perfect burn. Uh, this. The second third ratcheting up to the top of the last. Oh, sorry, the third third of this ratcheting up to the last top, the top of the last run. Salty earth and leather are the prime motivators, with additional inertia from zesty citrus, <laughs> fresh cut grass, cedar, and nuttiness. With an underlying sweetness throughout. Retro Hill is cedar sweet, uh, lemon uh, and lemon lemon pepper. Solid ash, good burn on the last bit. Mm-hmm. So, here's the sticking point. This was a four by fifty cigar. It's a small one. So when I hold it in my hand, it's from here to here. Yeah. Okay. This is um, not a not a lengthy smoking experience. Right now it is a fifty ring gauge, so it's not like a like a pencil thin cigar mm-hmm. or anything, but um, but it's a pretty small cigar, and I paid twelve dollars for it. That's a lot. That's a lot for that cigar. Yep. Yep. Uh, so here's what I did. I gave it a four and a half. Okay. And I'll tell you why I gave it a four and a half because at twelve dollars for a cigar that small. I mean, it was a good cigar, but that's a really small cigar. Yeah, and it's my fault. And twelve. Here's bucks the thing: if I would have bought the next size up, which would have been fifty cents or maybe a dollar more, I would have gotten substantially more cigar, and I probably would have given it at least a five, if not more, because I really enjoyed the cigar. But this one was just too small at so, twelve dollars, I think. So, Robin, the way the way our uh, price to quality scale works is it's one to ten, but five means you got what you paid for. Hmm. Over okay. a five means it really overperformed its price point, and under a five, it could still be very, very good, but maybe based on what you paid for it, it yeah is either should have been a little, a little better, a little more exactly. Yeah. Is how does it compare with other things that cost twelve with other cigars that cost twelve dollars? So, mm-hmm. uh, so so I gave this, and and I think it's strictly due to the size. I think if I would have gotten <laughs> the larger one, if I'd have paid just a little more and gotten the larger one, I probably would have enjoyed it more for the price, mm-hmm. just due to having more cigar. So you're saying so it, good it, cigar, but maybe go for a little bigger one. I would go one for the bigger one. I would spend, spend a, I would spend, spend an extra another buck. dollar too. Yeah. And I, I would probably uh, I'm just projecting here because I haven't smoked it, but the next time I go back, I'll probably buy the same cigar in the next size up, yeah, or at least uh, two sizes up. I think it comes in four sizes. I'd be very interested but- to try that because I, I, I mean, CAO was one of my early favorite brands. Once I this uh, is, started smoking, this cigars. is a departure from what I remember a lot of the CAO flavors being. Mm-hmm. I remember the CAO flavors being a lot of really rich, especially in the Maduro range. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like this. This was a different that flavor CEO profile. Gold it was Maduro good. back in the day yeah, yeah. was such a great and relatively inexpensive. Yeah, the MX2 so it wasn't was... wasn't an El Cheapo, but it was it was not overly pricey. Right, the MX2 was always a go to for me. The uh, um, there were they had, they had quite a few in their line that I was always like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know. But you understand if he's uh, if he's kind of stepping back into it probably doesn't have the infrastructure around him doesn't have some economies of scale in place so it, that might be literally what he has to charge for that cigar you yeah know what I mean? maybe and, and i get it and sometimes if you're making it your in your cost for your uh for your parts mm-hmm. you know for your ingredients are high then making a smaller one caters to people who like the smaller cigars right but it's still pretty pricey. Again, I would have been happier with a bigger cigar uh, and and paying the thirteen or thirteen fifty for for a bigger cigar that I got more time out of. Totally, this cigar was it was a great cigar. So the four and a half rating is strictly because it was small. Got it. 
Yeah. Got it. Well, I, I mean, I'm not exactly a size queen or anything. <laughs> Let's <sorry>. hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I uh, smoked something very interesting uh, this week. Um, it was the Sin Ira or IRA Grand Robusto. To start off, it's a pretty ballsy thing to decide to name the entries in your line of cigars after the seven deadly sins of mankind. You know, it may be mythology, but it's a powerful one. And even though the cigar brand is spelled S-Y-N, when you look at their line, you look at the cigar, you look at the band, it's pretty hard to miss what they got going on here, right? So out of the seven deadly sins, I chose anger or, or ira. IRA. Uh, not because I'm all that angry, but more because I like the Grand Robusto size. That's what it was called. Uh, it is a 5.5 by 54, kind of right in between a Toro and a Robusto. That I l- love that size. Perfect for me. So I also kind of liked the angry dragon on the band, uh, which, which I took a shot of here so nice. you can see it. Uh, uh, the uh, Sin Ira, or Ira, is wrapped in a five-year-age San Andres Maduro wrapper from the Dominican Republic. Atop a five-year-aged Corojo 99, Dominican-grown binder, and filler tobacco from the DR as well to make this one a Dominican Puro. Uh, all uh, all uh, tobacco grown in the Dominican Republic. It is a very nice-looking cigar, although I will say the band has got so much going on that it covers more than half of the <laughs> cigar itself. Uh, but there was still enough exposed to do a pre-light sniff. Uh, lots of earth and deep tobacco along with leather and oak. You know what I mean when I say deep tobacco, right? Yeah. It's just it's just tobacco, but it's just that very, ooh, that very like almost uh, fulfilling. Uh, it's the type of thing if you walk into a room and, and you smelled that smell, you'd want to inhale deeply because it's very very pleasurable. Um, walking into a humidor, yeah, like walking into a really good humidor, uh, along with leather and oak. A cold draw was mostly earth, not quite as pronounced, but honestly, I was really anxious to fire up the cigar and just see what it would give us. Although it did deliver some pepper to the palate, it wasn't nearly enough to be considered a pepper blast. And since it didn't use Nicaraguan tobacco, it couldn't have been, you know, an NPB anyway. Uh, but it, all of that gives Ian one more week to come up with the song that he's supposed to be writing for the Nicaraguan pepper blast. I need to make so that hopefully, happen. So hopefully we can get to that at some point in the near future. Not that I'm trying to, you know, elbow you or I nudge you like or in any way. Yeah, I did pick up leather and oak and a faint coffee note. A little bit of spice on the finish, but it was countered by a creaminess. The construction was immaculate. As straight of a burn line as I have had recently. Almost like I kept looking at it going... For real, you know, it was that it was that straight, nice. almost like someone had just somehow figured out how to how to do it differently or something. Um, the uh, by the second third of the Sin era, I was getting a little toasted almond note and a touch of candied fruit, still leather and oak uh, as well. The last third ramped up a little bit in the pepper department. Nice complexity though, with a lingering oak note and a touch of that earthiness that I'd gotten on the initial sniff. This cigar was a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, most Dominican puros that I have smoked are mild to medium body. Uh, medium at the most, right? Uh, that was not the case with the Sin era. It was distinctly medium body to begin with, rounding out to medium to full by the time I hit the final third, right in my personal wheelhouse. But again, not not exactly what I would normally expect from an all-Dominican uh, right. tobacco cigar. So construction was excellent. The burn line, as I said, was amazing. The ash held on for about an inch or so, not too flaky. The cigar felt 
packed a little tight before I lit it. I was actually a little worried about the draw, but it burned and drew just absolutely perfectly. So I enjoyed this one very much. The Dominican tobacco flavors were a nice change from the uh, Nicaraguans and the Hondurans that are um, what I usually smoke. Uh, and without giving up the strength and fullness that are my favorite, I, I, to be honest, I, I think it surprised me and I enjoyed it more than I expected to. And it was nice. Uh, also, I will say sometimes when you try something from one of these really boutique lines that you're not that familiar with, you haven't heard that much about, that they've only got. I got this in the humidor specs in Midtown, uh-huh. by the way. But uh, I, didn't, I actually was not familiar with this brand at all for all the I've time seen I it. spend, I don't know you know, smoking it. and studying cigars and stuff. Uh, and I didn't really know anything about it until I looked a little bit up while I was smoking it. I and as it turns cigars. out, oh, yeah, I do study them. I don't study them like he studies bourbon. <laughs> but but I do study them. Uh, anyway, the uh, Sin Era Gran Robusto, an eight to nine dollar cigar, and I'm going to recommend it and give it a five point five. Nice. I thought it. Uh, I thought at that at that price point, I can, I can pretty solidly recommend it. So that's. Uh, so there you go. A couple of uh, interesting that's one I'm going to have new. to try. Yeah, I, I think you should. I, I, it was different enough from other cigars. You know, some cigars you smoke them, and you go, these are very good, and it's very much like these other cigars over here that I that I smoke. And this one was. Really a, a bit different, so it was uh, so it was nice. All right, on the show today, in addition to jumping in and talking about um, uh, the pleasures and and pains of uh, hunting vintage bourbons and whiskeys all over the country, uh, we're also gonna um, gonna do a little beer tasting from Modern Times Beer in San Diego, California. Their Harmony Engine Marzen style lager will be on the docket today. Uh, from Rogue Ales in Newport, Oregon, their Hazelnut Brown Nectar Brown Ale uh, will be one we'll be sampling. And from Martin House Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas, their Shell Shock Imperial Stout. And I will just mention now, I don't know if this will like completely like not interest you or whether you'll be really excited, but the Shell Shock Ale has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the can. I've had it. Oh, you've had it. Okay, yeah. so so don't give it away. We'll talk I about it when it we away. drink. We'll talk about it when we drink. But uh, that's all coming up. And by the way, we have our follow up report from the Whiskey Social, which took place actually a couple of weekends ago. Uh, but because we didn't do a show last week, we weren't able to bring it back to you. So when we uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, do our report on the whiskey social, and then we'll get on, into some whiskey that's uh, significantly older than uh, what we have on the uh, on the whiskey social. So a lot still to come, and uh, drinking news, of course. Our drinking news teaser headline for today: the straight poop from drunk people. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and testing. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. This is show number 304. Our special guest is Robin McAdams. He's a vintage spirits expert, and we are hoping he'll just kind of, we can kind of adopt him as our vintage spirits expert. Because that's what, that's what we like to do. When people come on the show, uh, like, oh, I don't think I don't think your mic is on. Are you can say it again? I said we totally own him now. Oh, yeah. So it's just like once, uh, if you remember, once we had our, our uh, tequila expert, Liliana, come on the show, like, okay, like it or not, you're now officially part of the show. You're yep. our tequila expert. So, <laughs> so that's what we'll do with Robin. Uh, in any case, uh, one of our favorite 
events of the year uh, took place here recently, and Ian and I were on hand, and just because we've been drinking is no excuse to not file a report. So here we are from the amazing and awesomely fun... The Drinking Reports. Houston Whiskey Social. Uh, let's throw it to a couple of guys on the scene, Ian and Cruz. It's the seventh annual Whiskey Social. Seventh annual. Ian and I have been around to a number of tables. So we're probably nowhere near sober right now. No, but not the, even close. The good news is we're both Ubering home. Sobriety, so. I think, is way the fuck over there. <laughs> oh, did I say that? I believe you did, yes. Way uh, So Alan Denny, our good friend, uh, who nobody cares about, uh, handed me this bottle a few minutes ago. This is an Elijah Craig barrel proof. This is a really... Unique is, and rare bottle. This is an old bottle. This yep. is a bottle that... Uh, right, they haven't had that told, logo for a long time. I was told that they didn't come out with the barrel proof until 2002. So this is from 2002 to 2009 era. Somewhere in there, right? Because that label is way old. All right, so that means we're going to be tasting some old and possibly delicious Elijah Craig Well, I'll let you know proof. on the delicious side. Let's see. All right, so I'm pouring for you. There you uh, go. I like the way you I've already that. poured some for me, so I'm going to pick it up over here. What? 100% go-to. I was just uh, the other day drinking just some regular old, you know, the inexpensive Elijah Craig and marveling at how good it is. But now this is something right. on a whole other level, right? This is a chocolate bomb. Ooh, I can smell that. This is a chocolate bomb happening right can here. totally pick it up on the nose. Uh, the nose is, is is mineral and chocolate. The the, the wow. initial flavor is chocolate. The finish is chocolate. Honestly, that's spectacular. It's, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So this this is These in are the, the kind of things that you get. When you come to the Whiskey Social, right. When you come to the Whiskey in Social. In fact, on my way over here with the bottle that Alan gave me, several people stopped me and asked me for pours. <laughs> And I said, after we do the segment, I'll be happy to. So um, so the Elijah Craig guys obviously are here. Uh, I think Wade, uh, the uh, the expert tater man. The whiskey tater. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, pouring some of this and some other things over at a special mm. table. We're actually out in the cigar it's area. An overproof one, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Oh, speaking mm. of cigars. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there it is. Now, what I want to do is I want to hand this off to... Uh, Be sure and point it at him. <laughs> All right, man. Here's your chance to taste and tell me what you think. Chocolate bomb. Yeah. You know, there's some things that are just like above chocolate. and beyond. This is above chocolate. and beyond. Yeah. It's chocolate bomb completely. <clears throat> I don't even have like the proof. You said the proof. But... <clears throat> It's not a proof that it's gonna, you know, it's a smooth, oily. It, it has a whiskey hug, no doubt about that. No, no doubt. But it, but it is, for as highly proofed as this is, this is incredibly smooth. The chocolate bomb. Mm. I can't mm. get over. It's like, you know, whenever you get like a, a dessert that they give you that hardened chocolate, and you just break it, and mm. then it, that's what this is. And I'm smoking and. AJ Fernandez Dorado, and man, does it marry up with this. The chocolate here, the earth and leather here, big time. 
It's wonderful. Beautiful. So there's a pairing for you, my friends. Uh, we are uh, live at the Whiskey Social, and Ian just got goosed by our good friend Alan Denny. Hi, Miss April. Uh, we're here with Sagamore Spirits. What am I trying right now? Well, what do you want to try right now? We have our core lineup. Uh, so we have our straight rye here. It's kind of our baseline where everything starts from. Can I try the straight line? Let's do it. This one's an easy daily drinker at 83 proof. Also makes really good old fashions. Gonna get a orange peel, peppery finish. Maryland rye has corn in the mash bill, so kind of add some sweetness to that rye spice. So it's more approachable. We call it a bourbon drinking rye. Where are we going next? Now we're gonna go to double oak. So in our double oak, use two mash bills. They go in all of our whiskey, a high rye, low rye mash. Age them separately, then blend them together with our spring water. And then the double oak goes into a toasted waste day barrel uh, for an additional 18 months. That is much more refined. <laughs> this is our dessert. Dessert right there. Much more refined. Yeah. Do we have a level above this? We have our cash drink at 112 proof. Okay, I want to try this. He's here. Here's one. So uh, 112.2 right here. <laughs> that is boisterous, that last offering. So what makes this one different is that they use a worm tub condenser, which is something that hasn't really happened and nobody really uses anymore. Maybe about five distilleries in the, in the world still use one. And so normally you have the copper pipe that comes out with uh, the vapor and it, we use copper to cool it down and it slowly condenses back into liquid. What this does is that, that copper pipe comes out and goes into a big wooden box and then we fill that wooden box with ice water and it rapidly condenses that spirit, which gives it like this meaty unctuousness. Uh, I like to call it um, drinking your steak and, and, and eating your scotch, because that's what I feel like whenever I'm having that. It's fantastic, yeah. Okay, so as you can tell, Ian had a much better time even than I did, and I, I, and I had a great time. I mean, I, I don't remember much. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I had, a, I had an absolute blast. Uh, it was such a good time, and... Uh, and I was wandering around with my friend uh, Roberto, who was on the show. Remember, yep. he did the mixed yep. drinks and stuff Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yes. He, uh, and he was doing a lot of the camera work. Yeah, he's doing a lot of camera cool. work. And, yeah. uh, and he apparently, you know, he's on the bartender side of the scene. He knows right. a lot of those people. So I think he also made a bunch of connections and we, really enjoyed himself. And some of the people that we met will be having on the show here in the weeks to come. So yes, we've got yes, some, we uh, sent out some emails, some great, uh, got the chat, and some great guests coming in. I think uh, as things go on. But yeah, yeah a lot of it, fun. it was it was a very it was a very fun night as it always is, and a special. Thing Thanks to uh, Alan Denny, in particular, who kept coming around and pouring more stuff into my glass. Uh, it, it's nice when it's nice when people bring the whiskey to you. You know, <laughs> that's that's really yeah, and that's really uh, like personalized uh, and service. Wade, uh, Wade, Wade Water was yeah, there. Yeah. Um, uh, the whiskey tater. That was a lot of fun chatting with him. Yeah, man, yeah. that Elijah Craig. That uh, oh my goodness, that, that was that was just terrific. Older Elijah Craig mm -hmm. was so it was good. so good, and the four roses from that huge bottle. Mm -hmm. That was uh, that was pretty awesome as well. So we're gonna do a little beer tasting before we get into the whiskey, and our first one up is from uh, Modern Times Beer. They are based in San Diego, California. San Diego has a lot of uh, of of craft breweries, and they do. Um, they do a pretty fine job, uh, most of them at least. And Modern Times, I've had a couple of their beers and have enjoyed them, but I have not had the Harmony Engine. So, first off, I love the Marzen style. Yeah, I love this the is a favorite of yours. Yep. Mm -hmm. of the Marzen. Um, 
And this has definitely got that on the nose. It's malt forward big time. Modern times beer. Employee owned mm. beer. Yeah. And, you know, employee, there's a number of really impressive employee owned breweries. Harpoon in, in Boston is, uh, is one of my favorite breweries. They are uh, employee owned as well. But uh, this has, a, uh, this has a, a spice, like a baking spice, like right up front it, on the nose. It really, on the nose, kind of reminds me if you, if you were just sniffing a pretzel that was really, um, that was, Really, kind of covered with the the yeast, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Has has that kind of a vibe to it. I like it. Very malt forward. Very. It, it doesn't try to out Oktoberfest itself, but it's just nice and smooth and crisp. How you feeling yeah, about this? I'm pre- I'm feeling pretty good, man. This is not a style I normally I normally I'm used mm-hmm. to. So along with uh, with with uh, spirits, I also went through a phase where I collected beer, but I kind of became. A stout guy because those tend to last longer, right? Those. I was I was just about yeah, to say it, to you switch to spirits, they're easier to collect. Yeah. Because the beer you kind of have to drink it after a certain right. Yeah, right. This a is, lot of it's not going to be that good. This is not going to last for five years. This is more mm-hmm. of a in the next six months kind of beer. Yeah. I, yeah, and I went through like uh, at the beginning of this last year and late last uh, of this past year and, and late last year, where I just had to kind of drink everything else left in my fridge because it was getting so old. Yeah, you know? and, and you don't want to take some of that stuff that you bought that you were really excited about at the time you bought it, and by the time you open it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's know, all soy sauce yeah, and, exactly. and bad. And yeah, exactly. And IPAs, you want to drink those fresh. A lot of lagers are the same way. So yeah. uh, so it's it's a, like, uh, it's a pretty good idea. Uh, what is it? What is it they say? Drink, uh, drink fresh and drink cold is what they usually say about uh, a and lot of even the on the beers that you can store. It's <clears> always <throat> nice to, uh, if you can, you know, because sometimes they put these beers out year after year. Is is to buy uh, one each year until you have three or four. Do you get a vertical on them? Because yeah. I feel like, I feel like for the most <clears> part, <throat> four years after four years, things get a little sketchy. With uh, with beer, even with stouts, sometimes some of them last no problem. Some of them get a little funky, but uh, but four years seems to be that kind of tipping point where you might want to start thinking about trying that vertical. Well, mm-hmm. you know? I will tell you so, this: yeah. this uh, um, Harmony Engine Margin Lager is, I think, it's delicious. This would be beer. a this would be a very regular. This, uh, this is uh, this is stand up. Mm, yeah, I need sure. somebody to make a Marzen all year round for me. Well, there there are a few. Didn't didn't like Klaus Brewing make uh, make uh, Marzen that you, they make you can a, get all year. They make a Doppelbach. Yeah, I think you're right. Is this the same yeah. company that makes Eclipse? The Eclipse beers? I don't. I don't know. know. Okay, that's a good. Don't company. know. We'll, if only there was a super yeah, beer. We'll, I'm checking. We'll, we'll have to. <laughs> that look we could that hold up. in our hand. We'll have to look that up and uh, and. We I mean, weren't to so. Star Trek yet, where you can just go computer. Well, we're close. Hey, Siri. You know, <laughs> right. everyone's stuff just lights, lights up. That's right. Oh, sorry, my phone just did a thing. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> I'll turn it over, and uh, Siri won't uh, won't respond. Yeah, this to is us. good beer. Yeah, yeah, enjoying that. Very, 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 uh, very, very good. Uh, uh, not a lot of information on the can. It's five and a half by uh, <laughs> percent by volume. Um, it says this beer is vegan. Well, most beer is. I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if that's a little on the nose. That's it was it. Comedian Ron White would ask, "You mean to say there's no ham in this?" <laughs> okay. uh, so, uh, so I, I guess Robin uh, to sort of open up on uh, on our discussion about uh, your collection. You've got over two thousand uh, bottles. You said in your bar. Yeah. Uh, before we even get started, I actually I've, I wanted to ask about 
from uh, from their last segment with uh, when you guys were reviewing cigars. We're talking about cigars. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I don't I don't smoke cigars. Uh, I used to, and and I and I I quit when I had my my kids. But uh, it doesn't mean I'm not interested in the statistics behind it. What mm-hmm. was the highest rated cigar you guys have tried in terms of the one that we gave the highest mm. rating to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's going to probably surprise you, but because our ratings are based on price to quality, right? Uh, it it's, wasn't it's the not, best. Wasn't it all the best cigar we've ever? It's reviewed. not like uh, Cigar Aficionado's list, but one of the highest rated cigars we've had on this show is a Black and Mild. Really? Yeah. For, like for the money based on yeah. Like, so quality there's a little money. story behind it, and it's just kind of a funny thing. I, I have a friend that lives just around the corner from me. We go over there, and uh, he gets off work usually like ten at night, and I'm a little bit of a night owl, so you know. Um, so we'll go over there and we'll play uh, board games or Cards Against Humanity or stuff like that. And so I show up one night, and in the seat where I normally sit, he had a black and mild sitting there. He goes, I bought you a cigar. And, you know, he <laughs> kind of did it as a little bit of a joke. I mean, sure, it's a black right. and mild, right? I was like, okay. And I sat there and smoked that black and mild and enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, and not because it's a great cigar. It's actually, you know, it's not offensive. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't. You'd be hard pressed to give it a high rating if it was offensive. Well, yeah. I mean, like it was fun. I mean, as far as I know, I think they're like part pipe tobacco. And, yes, I think they're and, and they're uh, and stuff like that. But anyway, I sat there and really just enjoyed the time, the the, the whole um, the whole experience. experience so so it probably helps a lot to have your expectations where they were when you started. Well, and then when I looked it up, this cigar costs less than a dollar. In the eighty cent range, to be honest. Yeah. So for as much as I enjoyed that cigar, versus the eighty cents that it cost my friend to buy me one, yeah, I think you know, bang for the buck, that's a great way to go. You know, if yeah. you're camping and you don't want to bring, you know, ten, fifteen dollars cigars, you know, if it's damp outside and you're camping, you're gonna be sitting next to a campfire in a drizzle. Black and Miles, fine, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I reviewed one earlier this year uh, that I had gotten from a mail order place, place uh, called Holtz Tobacco out of Philadelphia. And Rocky Patel Cigar Company does this for a number of different um, cigar stores uh, around the country. They'll do a line of cigars just for them that bears the... The brand name, the Rocky Patel name, but also is done and can only be found yeah, at they're that called, store. They're called a. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's like a clever name or something. Yeah, like yeah. Right? Anyway, uh, in in this case, they were called Mulligans. The whole line mulligans, is called Mulligans, like for golfers, right? When you get a Mulligan and get to do it over. And in this particular case, there was one of the, the Mulligans line. It was the Eagle. I keep wanting to call it Eagle Rare, but. Um, Eagle Reserve, it was the name of it. And this particular cigar, I just bought some for like, you know, smoking in the car with the top down on the freeway, the kind of thing where you don't want to, you know, use an expensive cigar. So I I bought some of these and uh, I read a little bit about them. I I bought one and and did the review on it, read a little bit about it and discovered that um, these were made in the factory uh, and they weren't in originally designed to be a part of the Mulligans line, or so the story goes, but they were kind of too close to the Rocky Patel Decade line, which those are like same size cigar would cost you 10 to 12 And they're legendary. Dollars. And they're wonderful cigars. And he felt like it was too close. So instead he put the Mulligans label on them and kind of you know shipped them off to Holtz in Philadelphia to to be this, this particular one of the cigar. So I smoked it and found it to be every bit as good as 
this $3 cigar every bit as good as the $10 or, or $11 yeah. uh, decade. So that wound up getting a huge number from me. I think me. you got an 8 I think I gave it an there, 8 yeah. earlier so this it's, year. So it's about the highest that you've gone. I, I, that I've gone, yes. Now, okay. I've had better cigars than that. Yeah, so it's... But I haven't had better cigars at three dollars. So sure remember enough. the rating. The rating thing that we do is is based on like the price versus quality, or how right. much you enjoy the cigar for how much you paid for it. Yeah. You know? Now, like the cigar you had today, even though it didn't get up to five, you said you really enjoyed it. I really, I'll buy it, it again. Yeah. Even though I got, I gave it a four point five. It's because of the size I didn't really enjoy as much. I think I should have yeah. gotten, but that's my fault too. You know, yeah. I should have given it a bigger. Cigar. So, so the black and mild was a good lead in for my other question, which is, you guys thought about doing like a blunt spectacular? You know, <laughs> yeah. I love the name, <laughs> right? Blunt spectacular. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, because it feels like you know times are changing, right? It's going yeah. to get to the point where there's going to be a show about it at some point. Might as well get a, get ahead on that. I love it. That's a great idea. <clears throat> All right, we will we will steal that from you. <laughs> so, and give right. you zero credit for it. Because <laughs> that's Glad how we, hell, man. That's how we roll. Now, I'm if part you were of the team now, me, right? So I don't, you don't even. You yeah, don't, I don't right. need to get credit. If, if you were to ask me some of the greatest cigars that I've smoked, oh yeah, that's, that's a different, that's a different list entirely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But then again, like when I'm smoking that Placencia Almafuerte, yeah, that's a twenty-two dollar cigar, right? You know, it's hard to give a twenty-two dollar cigar a rating. Too far above five, right? You know, exactly, twenty-two dollars. Right, you expect it to be that, good, and you're you also know? afraid that if you do, that the cigar company will hear the review and will raise the price <laughs> to twenty-eight dollars. <laughs> right, so you know what I'm saying? You know, it's or a, or a uh, Padron forty-fifth anniversary. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a thirty-five dollars wonderful cigar. cigars, but they're expensive. how amazing is it? It's thirty-five dollars amazing. Yeah. Right. A, a Lost City from uh, yeah. Opus X, exactly you know, like, from Fuente, but know? they don't they don't rate on our scale. They don't rate. Yeah. You right, know, right. Because it's tough to it's, it's tough to come because... up to that. So yeah. Uh, in any case, that's uh, that's kind of how it all works. I we gotcha. we don't have a tendency to apply the price to quality scale as much to spirits. I think because there's just there's just so many of them, and so like it's so subjective. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know? When you look at the bottles from the '60s, these are what like a this was four dollars back then. So, <laughs> yeah. but, really... what would, but what what like like your more modern bottle you said was like 2015 or so that this you is from it? 2005. 2005. So like. What is that was probably a standard price back in that day. What's the standard price for this? Well, for you know, it's a it's a eighty six proof straight bourbon whiskey. Mm-hmm. I mean, from two thousand five, it's going to be different even from today. Sure, because everything's gone up. Yeah, I think it was probably twenty five bucks, something yeah. like that back then. It'd probably be thirty five, thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, maybe forty dollars for yeah. a good for it to, yeah. Yeah, it's not so. age dated, so that's not gonna that's gonna now, keep it under fifty you, bucks. For sure. You already opened these bottles. You said you wanted to let them breathe a little bit. Is that yeah. pretty normal? Uh, yeah, for and, older spirits, for older spirits, sometimes it, in my experience, like there's there's been a few situations where if you have a bottle that hasn't seen the light of day or, or had oxygen in the last thirty or fifty years, the first uh, the first few sips before it has a chance to breathe really is not 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 fun. It's not a good flavor. It's it's, it's pretty yeah, uh, and, pretty but it's brutal. like in the course of ten minutes, it changes to just this beautiful beautiful flavor but right, right. it starts just incredibly acidic and uh no nothing pleasurable what got you started on the whole idea of going after vintage spirits <clears throat> uh you know that's a 
Great question. While he actually. thinks about that, I want to point out that <laughs> after knowing Robin since the nineties, yeah, there is nothing that he goes into that he doesn't go into pretty much he, to the extreme. He doesn't like, have facets. You're that's saying that's a very yeah. much part of yeah. like just the way what he his is. personality is. Uh, so, I'm pretty so, lazy unless I'm not. That's pretty much. <laughs> so, right. obviously, so obviously, something happened to trigger you saying well, this is going. This is what I'm going to really become passionate about. Yeah. Now. So I'm I'm a I'm somewhat new. Uh, my one so my really my one. One of my only experiences with with bourbon was uh, my bar mitzvah day when uh, <laughs> um, I had a shot of uh, Wild Turkey 101, and there I, you go. it was traumatizing to be yeah. honest. <laughs> was, yeah, you should never do shots. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially when you're 13 with no no experience, uh, and uh, nor should I have had experience. I think. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, so and fast forward to what 2015, I was working at Goody Goody. And uh, I was the beer guy at Goody Goody in Houston, and um, I uh, everybody there was drinking, like you know maybe just right off the clock <laughs> or whatever. But um, I uh, they loved watching my face turn red because I never drank spirits. I was not into it at you all. Were, you were a beer guy, yeah, and yeah. it wasn't. And so uh, my face would just turn bright red when I take shots of whatever they gave me. And they, don't that, take shots. Uh, I don't do I don't I, to this day. What's the point? Right? I don't do I don't do yeah. shots. No. So, um, but that's I, just my advice with any kind of mm -hmm, spirits. Don't mm -hmm. take shots. Yeah, man. that was uh, but so that was kind of my um, my I guess introduction to spirits. It it wasn't until I tried some Stag Senior um, from 2016, I guess, uh, from from one of my uh, coworkers at Goody that I was like, oh, it was like this dark awakening. It's like, I get it now. And um, then I, I left Goody and became a, a sales manager for a local brewery. And so I was uh, working under a local distributor that uh, we didn't think was doing a good job. So I was driving all over the state trying to get our beer into all these stores. And I noticed all these different bottles that I had learned about when I was working at Goody. So I started kind of looking into it. And then I started buying bottles that I knew were good good collections, good investments, that right, kind of right, thing. Right. And, uh, you know, mix that with the fact that I'm kind of a history buff and I've always been studying, especially obscure American presidents, and they're all closet alcoholics, right? So they, uh, except for Trump for some reason, but uh, they, um, the, so you they all- think, by the way, but no. Right, he's the one guy, right. <laughs> yeah, he's um, the one teetotaler. And he's the one guy that has like a, a brand named after him, right? Trump, right, right. Well, but I think, I think Bush was a teetotaler too, but he wasn't always it right. Was, it was one of those things where he got sober after and, his uh, DWI. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, uh. but uh, but anyway, so um, I uh, I basically was driving all around Texas uh, trying to pawn, uh, trying to sell our beer and to into uh, mom pa stores. And then I, you know, I'm, I'm driving around, and so I was checking out all these liquor stores all outside in the rural areas. And uh, what a great way to learn about a state. Yeah. Uh, or about the country, you know. Forget about the tourist attractions. You really learn about people and just going like go to, to the liquor Yeah, stores. man, I loved it because you get to you, you know you start chatting with all the different people. You learn about mm -hmm. you know what you know which distribu distributors are extorting who, and you know it, it you know you start really wanting to fight to, to help the independents, and that's mm -hmm. why I, I never got into you know into like a lot of the more allocated stuff because that would require going to all the different chains and right. you know and i've been to chains i've been to i've been to lots of specs i have nothing against chains it's just that there's not a the, the passion wasn't there for that you know there was no right. there's no romance to that there's a romance to go into this old store that's been around for 60 years and you find these dusty bottles and you talk to the guy whose mom opened that store there's something cool about that that is know? awesome yeah, yeah. Um, it absolutely is yeah. well uh before we start with the uh, tasting what is 
is or is there a single coolest find that you've discovered Man, in you all know, your time? I could post some pictures later after the show or something because yeah. I took some, I took I took a couple of photos. Um, not to get redundant because I've I've spoken on other shows about about it uh, finding uh, some Fitzgerald, some old Fitzgerald down in like that basement in Chicago Heights where Al Cap- it was like a hide a hideaway hideout. Where's like a secret basement that Al Capone's people dug oh, from like dude. the 1930s? How you know, cool is that? Yeah, it was this one of that was just like one of the coolest. You know, talk about it's it like it was all downhill after that. Like that was yeah. really <laughs> one of the coolest. Uh, but you know, one of the best finds, one of the, like the most memorable finds, was in Texas. Believe it or not, you know, and I've I've been I found some great stuff in a number of states. Um, Arizona had some good stuff. Chicago is the gift that keeps on giving, um, and so is California. Even Louisiana, I mean, anyway, I'm just gonna start naming states, but uh, but Texas, <laughs> um, one of the coolest finds was in um, uh, like, like two hours west, northwest of Dallas. Uh, thing about Dallas hunters, all the Dallas hunters I've known are lazy. Like they only hunt in Dallas. They don't go. They don't go even thirty into minutes. The outskirts. Uh, Terrell, okay. Texas. I found some great stuff. But anyway, I found a collection. Uh, it's I forget the name of the lake now. Um, Possum Kingdom Lake. Uh, uh, Possum Kingdom Lake. It's a store that was that opened in 1978, and there were still bottles there from 1978. Wow. The, the guy's grandson owned that store and was running it. It was just him and like a lady behind the counter. I, I really kind of was sweet talking to the lady because I knew there was something there, right? And so she started pulling out bottles from like pre-fire Heaven Hill, from like the early 90s, late 80s wow. of JTS Brown. I was like, what else is back there, right? And so finally, after after hanging out with her, talking to her for hours, she's like, oh, just. Just come on back and take a look. I found like old Elijah Craig. You were mentioning that from yeah. the from the uh, from the the um, whiskey social, from the whiskey yeah. social. Yeah, I found some Elijah Craig from nine from the nineties. Um, I found a bunch of National Distiller stuff from the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, I spent all my money there, and I then drove mm. nine hours back to Houston, unloaded it, and got more money in the next week. And I drove. <laughs> so I mean, I probably spent like. Five or six grand there, and she was selling me old Taylors for twenty bucks a bottle from the, from the early eighties. Wow! You wow. Know, so uh, I took pictures of it. It's like like not, like old Charter, ninety proof, twelve years aged from the late eighties and early nineties. There was cases, just stacks of it. And she know? was probably like, "How are we ever going to move this stuff? We're right. going to do it." <laughs> I, I didn't understand this. why it's. Si- I mean, it was still sitting in the back in in their extra in their warehouse area, and it's been sitting been sitting there for literally thirty years. Like I don't understand why. Yeah, so and the guy, you know, the I, I went up there the, the the next week and I went up there and I started I was like, How much to buy all this all this stuff? And he gave me a price and I, I was like, How about if I pay you twenty five dollars more per bottle than what you offered? So I can sleep in it because I know I'm gonna sell some of this and I know I'm gonna make my money back. Yeah. This way I'm not ripping anybody off, right? That's very cool. And uh yeah, yeah there's bourbon karma. There really is. You know, uh, you always a <laughs> bourbon karma. Let's remember that. Yeah, there, there first, really is. First time I've heard that. I like it. in there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and people have called me on it. They're like, dude, if you found five bottles of old fits on the shelf, you're gonna buy all five. It's like, well, you know what, that's probably true. But uh, <laughs> if I found ten, I would probably leave a couple bottles, you know. So yeah. it's a matter it's just trying to find the balance. And you were you mentioned that uh, as much fun as it can be to shop at the huge stores with the enormous selection, that's not where you're finding your uh, your gems, right? Yeah, not at all. When you look at other people's collections, and I, I do have, I, I collect William Lee Weller. That's one of the best tasting. Like for today's standards, that's some of the best stuff. Um, you know, BTAC is is uh, they make they make great products, right? I mean, Buffalo Trace makes good stuff. So does Heaven Hill. Um, so does George Dickel. George Dickel makes some of the best mm-hmm. tasting stuff. But um, you know what, my 
nothing tastes as good as the five dollar bottles from the early '80s and before. <laughs> Love it. You know, and you can you can attribute that to any number of things, whether the cooperage or the fertilizer or whatever it is. They taste better, and nothing tastes quite as good as that. Mm-hmm. Um, I opened a bottle of Johnny uh, of uh, of Jim Beam Black from 1980 uh, just a couple weeks ago, and uh, enjoyed it with some of my coworkers, and uh, it was fantastic. And Jim wow. Beam is good today, but it's not anything like back when they it was called like 101 months, and when they aged it by months yeah. instead of years. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, this very stuff cool. is just is just better than. Well, I tell you what, we're gonna do. We take a break. We're gonna come back. Uh, let's we'll begin. A little bit of the whiskey tasting here. I want to. I want to spread it out because I want to. Uh, yeah, I want to be able to really savor and enjoy it. But at the same time, we'll come back maybe and and do just a little bit side by side in the final segment just to just to get as good of a comparison as we can. But uh, uh, anyway, some old hickory. Some old 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 hickory, old hickory. is on the way in smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toastin'. Our program's all about fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and great craft beer. In this particular case, we're doing uh, really old uh, fine spirits, really vintage old, old. fine spirits. But in this uh, in this first one, though, this is not quite as old. This was uh, a bottle you said from 2005, yeah, right? Yeah, so I... Um, but that can make a lot of difference, too, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it can make some difference, yeah. Um, you know, the... the, the, the uh, the distilling methods are not too different between now and 2005, right? Yeah. But uh, but the cooperage is still probably going to there's going to be more old growth, more more old oak growth. So um, I think you're still going to get tend to, they tend to be darker back then, right? If you look at the bottles from 2005, mm-hmm. even though it's not that long ago, they are, they do tend to have a so little bit more flavor. So when you to say them. cooperage, for those of us who uh, out there who don't know a whole lot about whiskeys and and how they're made. The cooperage is the barrels and right. the, and and what the barrels are built from. Yeah. So if you have a, a very very tight cut old oak tree that's being that's been turned into barrels versus a very young tree, one's going to breathe a whole lot more and get more of like a sawdust flavor. You're not going to get some of those wood wood fats that that come out of that that come out of there uh, versus the uh, the the old the old growth that's going to take a lot longer to to right. expand and contract. You know, and that's why. The seasons matter a lot more when you have old growth than with young growth. So this is 86 proof. It's uh, from 2005, and it is actually quite delicious. Very, um, very, um, how can I say this? It's like a really exceptional, normal bourbon. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's, it tastes exactly like MGP should taste. Right. This is MGP, right? This mm-hmm. is uh, this is uh, made at a DSP uh, IND2. And uh, it tastes just like all the other MGP, in my in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. That's no complaints at all. So the but you know, looking at the 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 history of the the brand and how it's traveled to where now it's owned, right. you know, ten times over. I don't know the full history of Old Hickory. It's hard to find history, to, like someone to write the history. It's of interesting this. to look at just the color difference between them too. Mm-hmm. Well, and like how so much is that basically just age, has. or is that is that uh, is that something about how the whiskeys were matured or distilled back it's, then the, versus the, now? The fertilizer, uh, the wood. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I mean, even back then, two different barrels are going to come out differently, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's it really has a lot to do with uh, so many it's so many variables. But really, it's and the main thing I think is the fertilizer used to grow the crops, and then the um, the the cooperage, the the, the, wood. the actual barrels themselves. Yeah, yeah, the cooperage comes. Cooperage is like half of it, really. You know, you have what's made, and then how it's aged is a huge component. Sure. Right. I mean, sure. Where it is in the rickhouse, all that stuff. But if it's good wood, it's probably going to 
yield a pretty good bourbon. Uh, that's, again, the part of this that has always amazed me about the uh, artistry and the science of the distillers is they obviously, once they get a vintage, once they get a, a taste that they say, okay, this is what, this is going to represent our brand now. Then they have to basically recreate that with all of these other variables yeah. at play for the next year's, you know. It's, a, it's uh, the same thing with like a cuvee, right? With yeah. the wine, you know, it's trying mm -hmm. to find, and that that blows my mind because there's so many subtleties in a cuvee. Sure. And it's trying to make it taste like a specific year, and that that same that's, thing with cigars. It's like <clears throat> you're blending this tobacco, and then next year's crop comes in, and it's different. How do you blend back for that for that same taste? But yeah. uh, I will say that this is quite delicious. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good standard bourbon, right? It's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to try... Um, All right, I'll tell you what we'll do. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll, when we come back, yeah. uh, we'll try the next one. And the next one is going to be... It's going to be Old Hickory bottled in 1962. Bottled in 1962. When yeah. he, when the guy on the label was just a young whippersnapper. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I believe that's... Is that Andrew Jackson? Andrew I think Jackson. it is Andrew Jackson. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, old Hickory. Okay, so when that, we come that, back, that we're going to try that. Actually, we come back, Hickory. we're going to try that, and we yeah. will be able to. Uh, uh, I'm going to I'm going to pour this off. See here in a cup, so we'll be able to do a sort of a side by side once yeah. they uh, uh, once they get back. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, drinking news is on the way. Plus, I haven't even told you about the cigars to watch for for uh, next couple of weeks. There's going to be some good stuff coming out. So we'll tell you about that coming up. It's smoking and toasting. Smoking and Toasting, our program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. You guys, of course, are familiar with Diageo, the uh, beverage and uh, spirits company. They own Johnny Walker. They own Crown Royal. They own Smirnoff, Captain Morgan, Bailey's, Guinness. And now they own Balcones. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I, I, Big, I work for Diageo. Oh, it's, okay. So, I, you, well, so I, work, I work for Southern Glaciers. Yeah, okay, yeah. Division. So, so, but this uh, acquisition of Balcones is a pretty big deal. It is uh, because they have, you know, traditionally represented um, bigger, older names. I guess is a good way to say it. Uh, has been where their sort of stock and trade has been. So, bringing on Balcones is kind of a nod to. How big and how important Balcones yeah. has become in the yeah. whiskey world. Right? Well, they, they've they've gone into some other other areas. You know, mm -hmm. not 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 all old brands. You know, like Loyal Nine, which is a company that was founded, I think, around twenty seventeen or so. Right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this is definitely the first local, which is really so. Yeah. This is this is interesting. Do you think that this is going to start a trend of large spirit conglomerates or spirit companies in general buying the craft spirits out kind of like kind of uh, like, kinda like happens beer. with beer i yeah. think i think so because i think, it's, think definitely it's, it's how capitalism works right they're gonna make money you on know it. Yeah. uh yeah. listen the, it's it's basically the way that business works right you have these entrepreneurs small business entrepreneurs that will start a business that will come up with an invention or in this case a, a really good you know whiskey or a line of cigars or craft beer whatever craft beer line whatever they come up with it they do the work they do the research at some point the big guys who they're encroaching on slowly but surely yeah. not in a way that's going to put the big guys out of business but the big guys have to think long term right well, so if one, you ask macro brew that 5% to 6% that 
Microbrew takes, man. They're, they're not happy. Yeah, and it's not 5 6% anymore either. Yeah, it it's in the 20s. Yeah. It's in the 20s now. So uh, so what happens is the big guys who have all the money um, uh, wind up at a certain point making the small business entrepreneurs uh, an offer they can't refuse. You know, and yeah. and the guys go, okay, I'm I'm happy to take the money and go maybe start something else or retire on the beach somewhere. And so the big guys pick up the cred of this small business independent entrepreneur by buying it, and they also buy what could one day be a competitor. To how them. much did they acquire it for? Do we have a? Uh, I don't know. Do you know? I, I don't. Do I don't know. And I also don't know how much um, of a reach Belconi's had before. Because that's also the thing is Balcones is, is only distributed so far. Before. We do know that they have earned more than five hundred national and international tasting awards. Yeah. Uh, according that's according to Diageo. Yeah, if, you look, if you look at my list, I went on about how many collectible bottles. I also have a collection of Balcones. Nice. Balcones, yeah. they make some great stuff. Yeah, they really do. They yeah. make some very. very um, good speaking stuff. of great stuff, yeah. Uh, have you nosed both this one and the last one? Yeah, uh, they're t- t- not side by side. They are. Nothing alike Night nose wise. Night like they're well, completely right. different. All right, so the so the the first one, the the 2005. Uh, as I said, it's just like a really good example of what a bourbon should be. So the right? first yeah. one is there's some smoke, there's some char, there's some vanilla, there's minerality, there's. It's hard to even smell the first one after the smelling. I know. I was it's, just, it's, I was it's just a lot of things that you smells expect. so much stronger. But that char, yeah. and, that char and smoke that I smell in there is, mm-hmm. is really primary. When you, Have you tasted the this? The nose thing? on the uh, old, old hickory, this is creamy. Like, it is sweet and creamy. and It's got a bit of an airplane glue thing, but not in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a child of the 70s. Um, so I just want to show, this is the one that we're tasting now. This is from what year again? 1960? Yeah, uh, yeah, bottled in 62. But 1962. And uh, the first thing that I'll say is even though this one is, um, so what proof is this one? 86 proof. So it's 86. It's the same proof as the last one, Mm -hmm. but boy, it doesn't drink like it, does it? No, there's no heat. So the the newer bottle... Says deeply rooted in American tradition, Old Hickory Straight Bourbon Whiskey is aged in new barrels and bottled at 86 proof. What many original distillers determine to be the perfect proof. Our mash build delivers a refined taste and a unique character reminiscent of uh, Andrew Jackson, an acclaimed U.S. President, General, and Statesman. Old Hickory was his nickname. A connoisseur of fine whiskey enjoyed his own blend from the distillery, uh, from a distillery on the grounds of the Hermitage, his Tennessee and Plantation mm. home. Nice. What does this one say on the back? Yeah, I was just reading that here. You want to read it? Okay. <clears throat> on the back of this one, the rare richness of flavor and bouquet of this uh, premium quality whiskey, uh, a revelation from your first sip, is achieved through expert distillation and long aging. It says six years old, 86 proof. So less of a less of a history story in there. Mm-hmm. But it has the picture. There also wasn't yeah. as much competition back then. No, there wasn't. You, there wasn't as much of a need to separate yourself, to refine your story, to make it more interesting and descriptive of what you were about. I will say, so back back then, um, that, this is owned by um, Continental Distilling. That's who owned mm-hmm. uh, this distillery, uh, DSPPA1. And uh, that's also where um, they owned um, Old Charter uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Old Charter Oak, not Old Charter, but Old Charter Oak Distilling, 
which is what Buffalo Trace owns now, right? They right. own Old Charter and Old Charter Oak. But back then, it was a bitter uh, lawsuit between Old Charter and Old Charter Oak. So it was between Continental Distilling and I guess it would be Shenley that owned Old Charter that went on for like 30 years. So uh, uh, description was probably very important back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and so you're not only, as we're listening to you talk about this, you're not only a, uh, a whiskey, a vintage whiskey aficionado, you're also a, a bit of a... A uh, bit of a history buff yeah. when it comes to whiskey itself, right? I, I got into it because of history, and and I so I, I I enjoy studying the history of it. Uh, there's like I was saying, man, there's a piece of Americana to this, and uh, as so it ties in so much with what was going on during the times during World War II, during Vietnam, during World War One. Just depending on what was happening in America, right. it is reflective of the stories and the brands in our whiskey. So there's a lot like going back to the romance thing. I, I'm a I'm a certified cheese professional. That's what I was one of the tra- I was the cheese trainer for Whole Foods for a while, <laughs> and uh, I learned back then how important the romance is, how important the story is, the the terroir, mm-hmm. and so that that just Remember, translates I told over you to he this. Doesn't go anything half-assed, <laughs> right? So, uh, but it all it, it it all translates, right? Like whether it's cheese or coffee or bourbon, about it's about the flavor profiles, about that that extra scent, that that mm-hmm. sense, right? The taste. Um, so it all it all kind of lines up, right? Your thoughts on this, Ian? Mm. This um, it's uh, it's interesting. It has a creaminess to it, mm-hmm. and a little bit of butteriness on the outlier. There's a definitely, little bit of, definitely a creamy creamier than. There's a little bit of what you said. There's a little bit of that that chemical that uh, you said airplane. I think it had that has to do with the fertilizer that was being used at the time or something. I'm not 100 percent sure. But uh, I'm really excited for this last one, which is also bottled in 62. This is bottled in bond, 100 proof. Right. So the proof is going to be higher. And on the this. nose is immediately bigger, so you can smell the that it's a little hotter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is. Uh, and bottled in bond is 100 proof, right? Like right, that's yeah. that's a that's one of the distinctions of the bottled in bond, yeah. aside from being bonded in general. Mm, very interesting. I learned something when I went to uh, Angel's Envy uh, mm-hmm. a couple years back. Um, the guy, the guy there was so nice doing the tour, but he talked about. It, he goes, you know, wow. he goes, you brought me back that great bottle of rye. There's yeah, there's all these uh, all these bottles, and they're getting expensive and things like that. He goes, you guys need to look along the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. He goes, if it says it's bottled in bond, it's probably a pretty good whiskey, even yeah. if it's bottom shelf. Yeah, J- even J- even if it's cheap. We were yeah. talking about JW Dance earlier, one of my favorite brands. That's on the if you find that on the bottom shelf, that's Heaven Hill at its best. That's some of the best stuff and it's bottled in Bond Heaven Hill. It's great. Wow. It's Fantastic. called what? JW Dant. That's been around Dant. Since uh, the eighteen hundreds. Oh, sure. okay. This is This is fantastic. This <laughs> is mm-hmm. like yeah. this is the shining star right mm-hmm. here. This is pretty mm-hmm. pretty awesome. That's what this is. This is the burnt caramel on mm-hmm. the on the retro hail is so pronounced. Yeah, yeah. You get a little of it. You get a little of it in the middle of the uh, of the palate, and then you get it on the retro hill for sure. It's not just stronger; it's mm-hmm. it's the flavor. It's just no. A there's lot a, more flavor to it. There's like a dark fruity thing that happens right at the very beginning of the sip, and then it turns mm-hmm. into this molasses and mm-hmm. and um, and the oak is so pronounced in this. Like mm. there's a there's like an oak astringency on the aftertaste that I really love. Yeah, the vanilla is really overpowering on it too. I like see vanilla is whether it's 
whiskey or rum or even a really good tequila, the ones with the vanilla notes yeah. uh, being more prominent have a tendency to be my favorites. Sure. I, so I really, really like this. Um, yeah. It's just, it also, how can I say this and not have it that, sound wrong? That heat on it this. It tastes expensive. Does that make yeah. sense? Uh, yeah, sure, it does. This was probably this was probably like two bucks back back then. <laughs> is it right? Yeah, I mean, so this this pint was four dollars and sixteen cents, is what it was back in the here. day. Well, yeah, yeah, the heat on this translates, I think, a lot more instead of being that that overpowering heat. It translates to like a spiciness on the tongue. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. more spiciness. It really. Yeah. Uh, it, there's no heat. There's, it's a hundred proof, but I'm not. There's no heat. Really. Well, I mean, when I say the heat, I think that I think that part of that is that spice. It becomes more the spice on the tongue instead of that. There's yeah. not really a whiskey hug on this one at all. The other ones had a slight delayed whiskey mm-hmm. hug. This one is. Yeah, this also doesn't have like a, a lot of the older bottlings uh, tend to have like a finish that never ends, and this doesn't have that either. That's kind of interesting. That's different. That's unique about this is that. When I taste other b- bottles from the they're 50 years old, 40, 50, 60 years old, they have that finish that just keeps going and going and right, going. And right. I, lo- I love that about some of the some of the bottles. This doesn't have that. This has it's a very it's a very kind of clean finish. There's a cinnamon on the end of there this. There totally too. is. Yes, yeah. it's very yeah. much. A, kind of lingers on the tongue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this uh, larger bottle here mm-hmm. was four dollars and sixteen cents back when it was originally on the shelf. You said yeah. you would guess this one's probably. Was around two or three dollars. Yeah. What is it worth today? Can uh, you tell? You know, I don't. I actually don't know. I've never seen another one of those today. Wow. In, in secondary. Um, I uh, I'll, I'll reveal that I spent about a hundred bucks on this. Okay. So yeah. something that something that went on the shelf for four dollars and sixteen cents worth about a hundred bucks today, or maybe more if you were to turn it around. Well, so and it, if I, it, yeah, it's, possibly. Yeah. Okay. So if you have a market where there's so many different things happening, there, I'm sure that there's certain certain bottles that you get that you immediately know what the worth is going to be, right? Sure, yeah. Or within an age range or whatever. But then you get some of these unicorns, mm-hmm. and they're. Like the guitar world's kind of like that too. There, sometimes you have no idea what it's actually worth because there really is only one, right. or right, it's right. so rare that no one. It's worth whatever you really have. It's, it's that cliche. Yeah. It's worth worth whatever someone will pay for it. Right. Which, but you know, and that does hold true when you're talking about something. But when you get into something like you, as soon as you have bottled and bond, where it has to indicate the the distillery that it's made at the year it's made, that kicks up the price quite a bit. You know, so I would imagine that if these two both were sealed, I would get easily. <clears throat> probably twice as much for this half pint as I would for this pint. Right. If I, you know, but I have no interest. That's the problem is I don't want to. Your interest is in, in, yeah. in experiencing it yeah, and it's, collecting it's, it. And I like this. I love the memory of getting it and where I got that and, and the conversations I had. And, and you know, the, it's a lot of effort to get some of these bottles. I don't want to just because like, then you just sell it to somebody. There's no fun in that. It's, right. It's, it's, it's just trading. That's like baseball cards. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, you flew to, to Detroit. You got held up at gunpoint. You got, you know, there's a lot that goes into <laughs> getting this bottle. It means a lot to you at that point. So tell us about some of your more interesting experiences uh, um, going to these shops and, and, and hunting. So I've, I've been to over 10,000 stores, right? Uh, 10,000. Most of wow. them are uneventful. Uh, most of them are just fine. And you get to talk to people. Some of them you don't even talk. Just you don't have time, right? Right, right. But the ones, unfortunately, the ones that are eventful tend to be negative <laughs> eventful. Uh, like I went to the, I went to many stores in like the, the west side of, uh, and the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. right after the riots last the year. The baddest part of town, I understand. Yeah. We, and we, so we've... it was right when they, and I didn't realize I was flying into a town where they just like instilled a 9, 9 p.m. curfew. So that cut but into my. Did you my, meet Leroy Brown? 
Sorry, I, I was off on a tangent and nobody no, was following I, me. So I, I had to wave my arms, you know? What Sorry, I, go ahead. What I did is I landed not knowing uh, that uh, I rented my car, didn't know that there was a curfew, and ended up sleeping in my car uh, mm. for a few hours because I didn't want I kept on driving around looking for the right hotel that's near the right place, and then all of a sudden it's 3 a.m. It's like, screw it, I may as well just, just sleep for three hours and not, hopefully not get robbed. But, uh, um, you know, the uh, I will say, you know, the south side of Chicago um, – some of the most interesting people. Uh, yes, you had to fear for your life a few times, but the people that you meet when you're not worrying about that, right? Uh, they, some of the most interesting personalities come out of some of these stores, right? They've been there for 40 years, <laughs> right? And they, and they can size you up quickly, right? And yeah. they can trust you because they know you're there to give the, to, to give them a lot of money, hopefully, right? So uh, some great stories uh, come out of there, like going into the attics of these places, and you know, there's there's places where I when I go to Chicago today, I still visit them, even though I already cleaned them out. Right. They were so much fun, and so you such... just go back to say hi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And when you saw that bottle, you can't sell that story, that memory. So, and I, I, it's it's one of the side effects. Um, I because I could probably sell my bottles for a lot of money. I just I don't want to. You know. What percentage of the stores you visit do you find something? Very little, and yeah. it's, it's getting less and less. As other um, people that do what you do are, are combing through them, I would right. guess, right? So, so fortunately, the, the a lot of The vintage whiskey collecting, I'm sorry to interrupt you sure. too much there, but uh, the vintage whiskey collecting has only been on my radar as a thing for the last, I don't know, five or six yeah. years-ish. I uh, talked to Wade. You said you talked to Woodard, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, so he's, uh, like, he was collecting, I think, since, like, he was cleaning out Evergreen, but they're wild turkeys, I believe, Uh and uh, I think that was him in like 2005, <laughs> yeah. 2006. Yeah. So it started becoming a thing then. Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. there was people collecting. Um, after after our last conversation, mm-hmm. I was at my mom's house and I said, "Hey, Dad had a few whiskeys in the cabinet." And that's the I've sent you those pictures of those uh, Canadian. That's where you know that's from. Stuff, yeah. Okay, you just now started asking that. That's crazy, man. So, <laughs> like considering this is what you're doing, and now you and you just so. That's that you know, but to that point, I got some old, old, uh, old, um, some Eagle Rare 101 proof in the decanter in that spread Eagle decanter from my mm-hmm. grandmother's house when she moved like four years ago, and no one ever thought to ask about that. It was just in the bottom, you know, underneath the sink just in the there. bar. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was some of the best tasting stuff that, that's ever nice. made, right? From like it was like from 1980 or 79 or something. Well, the reason, yeah. The, so I found I found these two Canadian clubs that uh, they're in the in the commemorative tins. One has yeah. a beaver and one has a moose on it. And uh, yeah, I just kicking around and looking online, and I sent him some pictures of it, and he's you know sent me some information on it. But how interesting is that? And that's going to be like that'll be saved for when my brothers are in town and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Know? And that's the good tasting stuff. That was before Jim Beam bought the yeah. brand. Also. And there was a Chevis 12 that was, that yeah. was in there. You yeah. know, it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, if you're a music fan, you probably got your favorite artists, your favorite bands that are out right now. And you, you know, you maybe don't collect as much these days because everything's streaming online. But, but you know, you'd, you'd make note of their new records. You'd listen to them. You'd be into them. and And there's that. But then there's the going to the vintage vinyl shops yeah, and finding an old Lightning Hopkins piece of vinyl, mm-hmm. bringing it home and putting it on and going, wow, it's a different experience. It's yeah. still music, right. but it's a completely well, other that- experience. And it's easy to you know, be caught up in what's new and current and now. But when you go back and experience something vintage like that 
and you just appreciate it for what it is. It's you appreciate it at a completely different place yeah. than what you yeah. do with you know the new Ed Sheeran record or whatever. You know, well, what there, I mean? there's a tactile approach that is gets right. lost in digital. There's yeah. nothing. No, that that sense of touch is gone. I it's remember because completely... uh, I'm at the age where uh, we're we're all a few years apart from each other here, uh, and I'm at an age where I remember going and buying the vinyl, mm-hmm. and I remember. St- you take it home and you put it on, you listen to it, and you open up that vinyl. Sometimes it was this way. So then you pull mm-hmm. the sleeve out, and sometimes they'd have an extra sleeve, and there sometimes they'd have the lyrics on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always just stared at all that artwork and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It was part of your appreciation of the album. Yeah. And again, oh, yeah. This is back when albums probably meant more than they do well, for the most part today yeah. because. Things are much more song by song today, even yeah, right. even for artists who've made album albums in, in the past. Albums kind of become collections of the singles these days, right. more so than they become something that has a, a theme or a concept to it, with exceptions, of course. But, uh, but anyway, how this all kind of relates back to the spirits thing, though, is there's so much going on. There's so many new distilleries. There's so many new craft breweries. There's so much going on that's new, and we have a tendency to focus more on that. And it's easy not to go back and go, what was in my dad's liquor cabinet right. that might be interesting? Right. Well, you I, know? Remember, I remember yeah. my dad. My dad passed in uh, 2008, and I remember him even mentioning it a few times. I got these old bottles that have been sitting there collecting age, and we had to explain to them, well, they don't actually age <laughs> in the bottle, but they are getting older, if that makes sense. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like thinking about what was FDR drinking when, uh, you know, he right. was, when he was uh, uh, sitting there, uh, you know, in, in Normandy, right, after the after we were liberated, everybody. And what, you know, how was... How, what what was going on with uh, the different just the flavor profile of the forties different the flavor profile yeah. of the thirties, and the flavor profile each each decade does change right. So uh, you know when you try uh, typical bourbon from the forties or the fifties or the sixties, they do taste. They, there is a difference in flavor, right? For whatever reason, and you can you can then trace that back. Go you know kind of speaking to what you're talking about with like just trying just listening to a song. Or getting the album to what, what I was thinking of when you mentioned like getting into the album is look at the brand, look at what the brand mm-hmm. represents and right. what what is and what they're trying to right. communicate themselves as. Well, yeah. I, so one bottle I bought this I didn't find this it was a Mount Vernon uh, bottled and bond from 1939, mm-hmm. and uh, it was you know it, so it's a hundred proof rye Mount Vernon Distillery which is owned at that time by National Distiller. They bought it from the distiller that was actually Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon was a distillery that George Washington owned, right? right. And he grew. Rye to evade taxes. That's <laughs> our first president. Yeah, was because a, a rye would overgrow the tobacco, right? So that would that way he could escape getting taxed on the tobacco crop. Right. And <laughs> you know, so but just like little stories like that. That now you know that that's something that's interesting right. about our country, about our president, right? And, uh, and uh, so anyway. And by the way, if you really do want to know what FDR was drinking. Maybe ask Joe Biden. I think he was like a White House aide back then or something. <laughs> right. uh, uh, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm joking, of course. But this is uh, this is such an interesting. I feel like we've taken a little bit of a historical journey uh, by that's pretty cool doing something that was more recent and then going back into the '60s. And to, do you have that same experience every time you open up? I try to because it's really and, enjoyable. I mean, yeah. I I I, try, I don't I don't actually just I I usually try to drink with friends, 
and right. we'll talk about this type Drinking of stuff. Drinking with friends is the best, by the way. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of lame, uh, sad to drink by yourself. Just in, so for me at least, you know. So that's I understand. That's that's yeah. my that's my thing. Uh, not knocking drinking alone, I guess. But um, but maybe I am. I guess. Well, but, but anyway. I, I have a tendency to uh, drink by myself. <laughs> Very late at night. My wife has already gone to bed. I'm doing the dishes, and that's when I decide I'm going to go to the beer fridge and and try, you know, some of the craft beers that I've had in there. And you don't know how many times Ian and I have almost texted you at like 2:30 a.m. going, "Dude, you got to check out this beer," <laughs> because drinking alone—that's well, the thing. It, it's not as much fun. It, right. it, it still right. tastes good. You don't get to but share it's not as much the experience. Fun as sharing it, right? Uh, but I'll somebody. so so you're talking about the drinking alone. I'll sit out on my patio and I've got you know I've got my little fire table. And my patio mm-hmm. heater out there going out mm-hmm. because it gets chilly the last few nights. But I'll sit out there with a cigar and I'll have a glass or two of whiskey, uh, even if it's just me by myself yeah. killing stuff on Diablo. I'm fine with it, you know. <laughs> um, or sometimes I'm on the phone with my brother, you know, while I'm sitting out right, there. Right. We're just chatting and stuff. So, and that's so you're not like really drinking out. alone. Yeah. yeah, you're not really so, drinking alone. Yeah, that's but like my wife has yeah. so many of her friends that have you know moved and they live in different areas now they have these regular happy hour phone chats oh nice and so i'm making her margaritas and stuff and her friends wherever they are, are making whatever they're making and then they sit down and kind of have happy hour together over the phone it's pretty cool hmm. so uh, all right we got to take a break when we come back it is actually believe it or not i haven't talked about it much but it's actually time for drinking news and this will be the first time we've gone into drinking news after drinking anything this old to prepare ourselves we're gonna need a beer news. for that too yes we are so we'll get some more beers uh, coming up in the next segment and uh, drinking news so we will return momentarily it is smoking and toasting it is show number 304 we'll be right back (laughs) yep that sounds pretty good doesn't it Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and uh, hand-rolled cigars. And we are We are glad to be uh, tasting some fine spirits that are a little older than usual today. And so far, it has been quite an experience. So we've had a little bit to drink, which is good, because as we often mention uh, with regards to our feature called Drinking News, it's a uh, program that is, uh, you know, it's a news program that brings you stories that are sometimes about people who've been drinking. Not always, but sometimes. But it is always best enjoyed if you've been drinking. Yes, and the conversations that spring from these are yes, beautiful. And we have been, so therefore, it's time for Drinking News. There's a podcast all about cigars and booze. Hanging out every week with the and crew.
said, I got a bed for you. He gave a seven to one. You know we couldn't lose. So me and a Florida man fought a kangaroo. We went a couple of rounds. They beat us black and blue. Extra special thanks to Chris Morris. That's so brilliant. For the Drinking News uh, theme song, the alternate Drinking News uh, theme song, which we break out today because Ian forgot to bring the. Uh, no, uh, we, the we bring it out so that you know people can experience more and than enjoy. just me. Yeah, okay. And, and occasionally I, I forget my ukulele too. <laughs> There's that. Well, it's no secret here at Drinking News that we are all big fans of the juice, whether it's whiskey or rum or gin or tequila or a great craft beer, we very much enjoy what we consider to be the finer things in life. That said, we do support drinking responsibly, and when you fail to do that, we will often call you out. And it might be right here on Drinking News. A Seattle woman (laughs) who might possibly be a lawyer deserving your respect was arrested recently after a long list of drunken incidents that illustrate exactly what we're talking about. The 44-year-old woman, who was not named in the report, had apparently been drinking in a North Seattle bar for quite a while. A bar employee reported that she didn't appear to be intoxicated at first, but the woman handed him her car keys, unprompted, and told him, do not give them back so she wouldn't drive drunk. Okay, that seems like a good choice. So the employee decided to call a cab for the woman, offered to do that, and she agreed. Uh, But when the taxi showed up, she then refused to get in and started to loudly demand her keys back. The employee now recognized, of course, that she was drunk. And, in fact, she was very drunk. And so he wisely refused to return her keys. And that is when the 44-year-old woman went full-on Karen. In fact, we'll just call her Karen. Uh, And she started punching the employee in the face and chest as they stood outside the bar. That's the right thing to do. Because he wouldn't give her her keys back and he wanted her to get into the waiting cab. The employee, who didn't want to strike a woman, retreated back into the bar to call 911. And while he was on the phone, another customer noticed that Karen had dropped her debit card in the parking lot. So he tried to return it to her. Karen responded by grabbing the woman around the throat and pushing her into a garbage can. She then spun around and marched back into the bar to try and grab the phone away from the employee who was just trying to do the right thing by calling 911. Officers arrived on the scene to find Karen inside the business. You all know what this feels like, swaying and leaning against the bar for support, right? (laughs) While yelling at the staff as they tried to do their jobs. The policeman attempted to interrogate her, but she refused to answer their questions, replying only, I am a lawyer. Show me some respect. (laughs) Eventually, the officers handcuffed her, but not before she made her way outside and pooped on the bumper of the police car. What? (laughs) Yes. That's correct. Karen, the lawyer who deserves your respect actually squatted behind the police car and dropped a deuce on the bumper. 
The cops did wind up arresting her and booking her I into don't know what to say King about that. County Jail for investigation of assault. Our best guess is that Karen will probably actually represent herself because, as she pointed out before taking a dump on a police car, she's a lawyer and she deserves she your respect. She deserves respect as um, well. Is like, it, so I, I, she had to be wearing a skirt, maybe? I get it, You know, yeah. I mean, she's handcuffed? It, it, well, before she was handcuffed, oh. I think, is when she did this, according to the reports. But, you know, is it funny that the woman went all bit. Amber Heard on the police car? <laughs> uh, well, kind of. Funny and, you know, a sad kind of a way. Amber Heard on the police car. One thing's for sure, you'll <laughs> always get the straight poop from us here on Drinking News. That was a crappy story. Is there any video footage of this? Uh, <laughs> you, you, one can only hope, right? Uh, I feel like there's not much more that I can add to this story. The lesson, you know, pretty much speaks for itself. So reporting live from Seattle... Where I'm sure as hell not going to be the one to clean up that patrol car bumper. No. My name is Cruz, and that is your drinking news. That's where you usually come in. With oh, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't, we don't have you. So, yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So my, my, my thought. I, I, it leaves I a lot of almost, questions. almost didn't share this one. But sometimes drinking news stories are hard to find, and the woman did poop on a police car. So there's that's, that. That's inherently yeah. funny. Right. right. There's that. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't quite know what to say. We've all, though, had those experiences, right, with, with friends, not maybe pooping on a police car, but with friends that at first act like they want you to protect them from themselves, and, oh, and then, and then, then, they, get, irate. Th- then they get belligerent. I still remember we had a, uh, we had a, a party— um, of a whole bunch of employees from the staff, and one of them showed up party. to the party drunk. Is this the party? I think. I'm yes, it of? is. Yes, and I this is where. This so, and Donna McKenzie, who works for our our company, was trying to get her to get into either get into a cab, or that Donna and her boyfriend Doug would drive her home. And that's when she turned around, and the lady took around and turned off and ran, uh, ran. from her into the park. Yep, and which. Gave birth to a new saying that we call There's drunk, there's tipsy, there's drunk, and there's run from Donna drunk. When you're you're run from Donna drunk, you're you're on the top end of the scale. But we've all been through stuff like that, right? Where people go, I'm fine, let me drive. Did did she poop on a police car too? She did not. No. No, that would have been, see, that would have made drinking news long before this this story story did. So, yeah. How drunk do you have to be, though, to poop on a police car? Seriously. Hmm. I mean, that's got to be pretty drunk. Yeah. Or just have a really strong vendetta, and perhaps yeah, yeah. A strong. Yeah. Well, but with the police right there, you know, there's there's been a big national movement to defund the police, but this takes that whole thing one step further, right? Right? <laughs> you got to you got to uh, admit. So uh, anyway, so that's your drinking news. A Sorry. nutty twist to traditional European style brown ale. Oh, are you already drinking? Dark brown in color with a hazelnut aroma, a rich nutty flavor, and a smooth malty finish. Wow, nutty's right. It is nutty. So it's a little nutty on the nose, but you get that you get the fact that it is really hazelnut once yeah. you take that first sip. Yeah, and I, I've always been a fan of Rogue. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah, Rogue they, makes great stuff. So dead, guy dead guy money, like for the money, but it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Dead guy. How do you like their so whiskey? Good. Have you had their whiskey? Uh, I did try their whiskey once. Uh, it was, I remember. So this is a years ago. This is mm-hmm. like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. They first were, came out. Yeah. yeah, it was. I just we had it in a cool bottle. It was really strong. Yeah. I remember it tasting really. We had it here on the show. It was tasted really. I remember we liked it. I still have some actually at home. I should. Yeah. Should bring that back. Actually, in. it wasn't even that long ago, was it? Oh, it was a couple years ago. Was it? Like 2018, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I feel like 20, 
2019. Maybe. But um, yeah, Rogue is like Dead Guy Ale is one of my favorites. It like, really that's is, and we've had a couple beer. of their other beers on that are not as well known as Dead Guy Ale. But uh, and so. you know, around uh, around Halloween time, they had a, a special run of their Dead Guy Ale cans. They just they just printed black and white. Oh, cool. and you color it in yourself. Uh, I love it. I love I it. I mean, so, come on, how entertaining! I, I, is I will that? say that I, I'm not a, a huge blue cheese fan, but Rogue makes blue cheese. And they do. I, I'm not sure I knew that. They they have a uh, they have a couple different ones, but one that it was the best by far the best blue cheese I've ever had. It was called Rogue River Blue, and uh, it was like fifty bucks a pound for wow. this stuff. But it's worth it. It worth was like that kind it of good. It was that kind of good, man. Like I've never had a blue cheese before since. It was the best blue cheese I've ever had, and that was made by Rogue. We make beer, so, whiskey, and blue cheese, guys. And, what do you and think? Honey. What do you think of this? Uh, yeah, what yeah, do you think of this beer? I like it. It's good. Yeah. It's, okay. it's good brown ale. Uh, brown it's nutty. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, fun. It's I can't delicious. drink a fifth of it, <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it's a type of thing I can have a little bit of. It's not something I want to drink a bunch of. No, I like it. I, I like you know most things rogue. I like. Um, uh, but yeah, this is this is just fine. Yeah, I'm a bigger fan of their stout. Their dead guy stout. That was. Uh, I don't know if I've had the dead guy stout. That that's really good. Yeah, it's I fantastic. don't think I've had that. The dead guy stout. Yeah, Because yeah. the, the dead guy ale. ale they did, yeah, that's more yeah, of a. But I thought of they, a, also, they also do a stout. I forget what. Maybe it's not the dead guy. Yeah, they have a stout that's called. The dead I'm guy stout. Right now, it's not dead guy stout. It's not okay. I don't think so. If only we had a small portable device where we could find if out only. the answers to questions like these. I tell you, while you hunt that, I'm going to go ahead and get us our final beer. Because this is chocolate uh, stout, Shakespeare stout, Shakespeare. Oh, oh, that's what it was, Shakespeare stout. Yeah, and that's really good. You're all faster than me. All right. So, speaking of imperial stout, there is shell shock with the teenage. This is one of the coolest uh, uh, can arts. Yeah, and this. So Martin House has some very cool can art, but normally they don't do these taller cans. Normally, if you go buy like one of Martin House's like stouts or something like that, it will come in a box with two 12-ounce cans right. hmm. of the stout or whatever, uh, the sour or whatever the beer is. But in this case, they went ahead and went for the uh, for the larger can, and it is a very colorful one, as Ian will show you here in just a moment. Uh, but we might as well go ahead and give this bad boy a try. And you've had this before, you said, Ian. I just finished a four-pack of this. Okay. Well, if you're using the phrase, oh, my God, that looks like, that looks like, uh, you remember on the X-Files when they had that black oil substance that would get into people's <laughs> eyes? Uh, that's what that looks like. That's one of the blackest, darkest, inkiest beers I've ever seen. I don't remember that scene, but I, I'm oh, a big yeah. fan of X-Files. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, it was kind of in the later years of the X-Files, people would get the, uh, the, I forget what they called it, the black something, the black, but it would like you would see it move through yeah, their eyes. That was like the say. alien, yeah, right, it infestation. Was a, exactly, thing. exactly. Or it came from Chernobyl or this something. Really good. This is yeah. uh, so. I'm going to go ahead and, and oh, give up wow. the ghost on this. This is fan freaking fantastic. Yeah. Well, I I had a feeling you, you mentioned earlier in the show that you had had it. And you didn't give away whether you liked it or not. But when you were just pouring, you mentioned you just oh. finished a four-pack. Now retro so hail. That, that made me sip, think. It gets even better. That's really good. Oh, Martin House. So, I'm in love with you. It's so good. It mm. is um, Shellshock Imperial Style with pecans, fudge, caramel, and vanilla. This is coming in at 10%. Heavy on the pecans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heavy mm-hmm. on the pecans. And it's pecans got just enough of that. Vanilla. vanilla, yeah. It's yeah, got yeah. just enough of that the astringency like you get from the pecan shell. Right, 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 right. Just a tiny bit of that, so where it's, it's 
really sticky. Yeah. But then it's kind of goes away you kind of fast. You can taste the sugariness almost. This, yeah, this, really this strikes me as. It's like, if you have you ever had a chocolate pecan pie? It's kind of like uh-huh. that filling stuff that they use on a chocolate pecan pie. It's amazing. This yeah. strikes me as something that they this they didn't arrive at this the first time. That they had to really work on, this, and, work on this and tweak it and yeah. perfect it because it is just balanced so perfectly. If they did it the right, arrive yeah, at it the first time, good for them. If they're, I was gonna, genius. one one constructive criticism would just be more alcohol, <laughs> a little bit higher, like maybe thirteen percent would have been, you know, because okay. it's almost getting into like a Bourbon County kind of. Okay, so no wonder you two get along. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. Ian, Ian doesn't often get to bring all the beers on the show, but when he does, they usually start it's at nine percent just... <laughs> and go upward from there. Yeah, man. Yeah, come. Yeah, come to the game. Prepared. Come to right? play. Right. Yeah. 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 I came to play. Put me in, coach. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this uh, really is this good, is though. absolutely yeah, delicious. Yeah, that just like that right right on the mm. nose flavor. That's, that's fantastic. And here's the thing too. Okay, I want you to notice. You guys keep sipping and keep sipping. So this is big, ridiculous, sticky, and sweet. But and it doesn't yet, lie. It doesn't and drink. And you keep drinking it. It yeah. doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't hang around. It's, yeah, it doesn't get that that cloying kind right. of. Right. Well, a lot of the boozier, uh, you know, larger imperial stouts that we've had. You sip them, and you, but you're very much aware of the alcohol yeah. content. Here you're like, I'll have another drink, thank you. you know? yeah. I mean, that being said, deceptive. if you drip some of this on your table and then put a coaster on it, a coaster is now part of that table. It's never coming <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is really exceptional. That may be yeah. one of the better stouts we've it's had on the show in a so long time. Good. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. We bought it. Uh, me and my wife were in a store, and she saw it. She was like, holy crap, look at this. I was like, pfft. Buying that? Did you buy it because of the Ninja Turtle? Yes. Well, in Martin House. <laughs> yeah. There's Martin. no reason. I mean, that that's enough of a reason, frankly. But um, yeah, I just finished up a four pack of that. I split mm-hmm. every can of it with someone, but yeah, I just finished up a four pack. It was so good. So wow. they had to get permission and everything to do this, right? To you would have to, yeah, yeah, to do it like that. There's also yeah. the, the new Seth Rogen Ninja Turtles coming out next year, right? Right, right. Yeah. Maybe, who knows? Maybe they'll tie it tie in. Tie it in. Yeah. Ninja cool. Turtles have had that resurgence, so they, yeah, they kind of yeah. almost come back. A, almost a thing for like 20 years now. Yeah, they yeah. They, they keep kind of yeah. swelling up and then going back down. Yeah. No, it comes out in August next year. The new Ninja Turtle movie. And and who knows whether it'll be you know wonderful or terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. As I want to see how this goes with it. I'm sure it goes. Okay, so now you're goes. back to the bottled and bond. I right? think you just want to keep drinking this more than anything. Oh, it's like magic together. Ooh, that does work, doesn't it? You know, a lot of times the the stouts, the big it brings out chocolatier the yeah. uh, stouts, will work nicely with uh, with something like this. Yeah. Kind of like bringing them back home in a way. Cause mm-hmm. they were, it's like they were aged in this to begin with. It brings the cinnamon more forward. I was just about to say. So so now I was going back to the uh, the first one. Oh, you're going back to the first one? Because it had the more pronounced cinnamon of the three. Hmm. So I thought I'd go back to that and see if it affected that the same way. Oh. So when you go back to this, it brings out a little like roasted coffee bean in it that I didn't really get before. I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, sir. Thank you. Let's see if we can fix that drink. Oh my God, this really is like the black oil from the X Files. I'm telling that you, really is good, man. Like I, I'm yeah. not, you know, I, I, I feel like there's with the with stouts, there's there tends to be a lot of, and like a like a just a, a fall off like yeah. on the end of the like it tastes really great for a few sips and then it just like goes it kind of washes out right but this this keeps kicking it's really very very strong upfront flavor to it. So when I go back from the 2005 
yeah. to the stout, I get a peanut butter note that I did not notice before. The 05, I, I get it with MGP, peanut butter and, and, and popcorn, right? That kind of popcorn, mm-hmm. caramel popcorn thing. Mm-hmm. That's a big MGP flavor to me. By the way, I don't know if they still make this, but there used to be this um, this popcorn that you could buy. I think it might have been an Orville Redenbacher's. So you pop the popcorn in the microwave, and then you put it out on a, like a, 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 a cookie sheet or something, and then you'd this. melt the caramel. I remember. Do you this. remember this? Yeah, you I would do. melt the caramel, yeah. and then you would squeeze the caramel all over the popcorn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was about six thousand calories. Right, but it was delicious. I bet, I bet, oh my man. god, six thousand yeah. calories I remember doing that when I was a, a bachelor. You know, right? Pieces yeah. per serving. Yeah. Right. One. One. <laughs> that was fantastic, though. If only you could so do it. So you know without, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know right? exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. I haven't thought about it in 10 years. But. So, yeah, so I get a little bit of that from uh, from this once I go back to it after the uh, strong caramel. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Mm. That is. Yeah, so outstanding beer. That that uh, bottle of mono hickory is the bomb. Yeah, yeah. Actually, all three of these were really terrific. Yeah, you know, but it also yeah. just goes to like. So this is just more of like a highlight of what the what the liquor, what the bourbon was tasting like, right? right. So I think that um, you know back then they also they weren't filtering their water like they were right. like they are now. So right. I think that that also plays a role, right? So sure. Um, I think if you had this type of bourbon and you used like the right type of water filtration to turn it down to eighty six proof. It would probably be better today than it was then. Than it was then, sure. Yeah. Okay, so is this response, this reaction you've had to this one? I've never had this until now. Right, right. But is how does this compare with when you go to something else in your collection? Is it usually this... Is it usually this kind of a reaction? Is it usually so, better? Is it usually not as good? This was something I opened about you know maybe six months, uh, ten months ago. Some you know right. sometime well, that's in the, the last year you were talking about. Earlier. Yeah, this is from the the original distillery, and there, I mean if there's anything left worthwhile, I'd, I'd pour it. But um, this was a mixed review, and uh, this was I thought it was great, and as time went on, it wasn't like this. This this I think was was better received. Yeah, so it really okay. the the, the difference. That's my question. I'm just curious, right. like, how did this one rate on the scale of how these usually go? I think that it it really just like just like today, it depends on the distillery. You know, like the mm-hmm. the art the the artistry that goes into it. It matters. It all it all matters. Like how you're making a rye versus a weeded, or if you're you know take have the balls to do a four grain. It all it all plays into it, right? So, I, um, I think. Uh, some of dance wasn't as good, maybe as as people remember it to be. I yeah. think it's a bold statement. <laughs> I was like, kind of hesitant to say that, but um, sometimes that happens, though. From yeah. from from what I tried, I, uh, I and I love dance. I love the story, the history. Um, I I was expecting a little bit more from this, you know. And, and but this is fantastic, right? Um, right. So forty fifty years from now, will there be people that go into a? Uh, uh, an old liquor store somewhere and go, look, I found a Buffalo Trace from 2020. You know, that's the question. So, you know, you got to think in the 60s, people were thinking the same thing we are, right? right like, we can't right. be that advanced, right? So who knows? <laughs> who knows? You start, it gets into the cycle, right? You start out thinking right, yourself. Right, and, right. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back for our final segment. But I just want to say, man, thank you for doing this with us today. So this awesome. has been so oh, man. I, educational I, I as well it. as yeah. delicious. You it's know? so much fun with you guys. Like, well, this, is, this is great, man. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed getting hey, to How many other shows are you going to go on where they have a story about somebody pooping on a police car? I got four more shows of pooping on police cars that I'm, gonna, that I'm willing okay. to take. All right, fair enough. Yeah. We'll be right back with Smoking a Toast. You guys are the first. Chris Hart. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We're so glad to be here with you and so uh, happy we showed up for today's show because, uh, you know, it was one thing to miss last week, but I would hate—I would have hated to have missed this little uh, trip down whiskey memory yeah, lane. Yeah, right. Uh, even though I don't remember any of these whiskeys. <laughs> uh, but I sure enjoyed, uh, you know, getting back into them and, and experiencing this. And, Ian, you wanted to do a little, you know, just a sort of a vertical, just a little side-by-side on these. And so I'm curious as to... Uh, well, to what you're thinking. In the order that we did them in, we did that uh, we did the early, newest one, the, the, the 2005. Yep. We did that, and that's a fine whiskey, like we said. That's a uh, like it's hard to complain about anything about this whiskey. It's just it's just a good solid whiskey. Um, but when you get into this uh, the uh, the straight uh, bourbon whiskey, Old Hickory, from the 19, 1962, uh, you said, yeah. is that right? Yeah, nineteen sixty-two. This is uh, this is different. It's it's creamy. It's got a lot more. This, this whiskey was born the same year as me. Interesting things going on. It's crazy. <laughs> it's got um, it's got a very different flavor profile than the mm-hmm. new one. Yeah. And then when you get into the bottled and bond version, same year, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Bottled and bond, same year. It's up a notch um, well, by a long shot. The flavor profile, and I don't know if, if if part of the flavor profile, like it could be the same distillate that they just didn't bring quite down as far in proof, right? I mean, yeah, it's possible. Water, I, I think the water has a plays an important role. Like what, and then what's uh, the water source they're using, and then being, and you mentioned this uh, when we were in between the segments that they probably weren't using the same sort of water filtration. Yeah, that, uh, I, I don't think they were technology. using reverse osmosis back right, then. Right. So yeah. you're you're counting on a lot of different qualities yeah. that the water may have had that are going to impact. This one because it's been diluted down to yeah eighty six. If, if you've ever seen Weller water from back then, it's disgusting, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> right, right. Like, exactly. You don't want to drink it. So you know you have to think that's a lot of that's what's going in this. So then right. you dump it in alcohol. It's good enough. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Right. Yeah, you don't have to worry too clear, much about it, but it's, it definitely has right a, it has an impact. It has to have an impact. Yeah, yeah. So, but this this uh, this bottle and bond is at a hundred proof, and I think I don't know if it's the extra amount of alcohol in. And preserving the entire structure of the bourbon. Or maybe just or, less of the water. Or maybe just less of the water or whatever yeah. it is. But it is exceptional. Like that's, It really is. It's memorable, right? Like right. It's, it's fantastic. It's memorable. So. This is one of those that you... That you get, I remember. You'll think about this, Ian. Like next year, you'll go. Remember when we there's had a, that, yeah. uh, that so particular old I, It just occurred to me there's a sweetness in there that I kept trying to place. And it just hit me. It's a slight marshmallowy kind of sweetness mm. to it. You're both looking at me like I'm a little crazy. No, you're you big on the bubble. Gu- I remember you talking about bubble gum when I saw you last time. <laughs> like you're big. You're big on the bubble gum marshmallow thing. Right, like. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, he lives in that world. <laughs> yeah, in my own little bubble gum bubble. It's a marshmallow. No, I don't get bubble gum on this. But there's, there's like a marshmallowy kind of sweetness, um, and it's creamy and it's 
Just I know so what you're talking about. Cinnamon on I don't know if I would have like labeled it that way, but I know what you're talking about. It's funny. About. When you mentioned the bubble gum last time, I never thought of it. And then I, you start to. And then you start to taste that. Yeah. And like, yeah. oh, wait, I do and, get that. And yeah. he's very. Bubble gum is actually pretty common in he, a lot of whiskey. He's very yeah. specific I, about it, though. It's like I, the I Topps t- bubblegum card. Yeah, it's always gum. that cheap ass yeah. stick of gum with yeah. the powdery stuff on it. I used it to be so disappointed in that because you bite it and it's all crunchy. Yeah. Like, that's all you can cut yourself. But it's a very specific flavor of bubble Bubblegum. Yeah. 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 It is the most bubblegum flavor of all bubblegum. <laughs> mm. So, you know, I will say, though, that um, this, I, and it almost like maybe maybe this is part of why I do this. I, I enjoy the company, but I also want uh, I, I want vindication in a way of, you know, <laughs> what you what, 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 and, the and money, effort. the time. It's the energy and the time. It, it's more than anything else. It's And, and so you guys, and it, uh, more people can experience this, right? Like, right. This is some, not something you can get today. It's no. just something if, that it, it only existed in yesteryear, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't have to be this brand. And this this is fantastic, right? But it right. can. It's not. It's There's not unique all to this. Kinds brand. of other brands. Yeah, it's get, more yeah. about the era than it is about the brand. I I am actually blown away uh, just by the fact that you deem us worthy enough to bring these bottles, which you yeah. can't get. Yeah, right. Like, unless you're no, just extremely No, I feel totally lucky. like Chris Hart here. We've done a whole show like, that with, you bring with these bottles, bottles you on here, get. and you're like, yeah. well, yeah. Ian, now they're open. You're one of my old friends, man. Like, <laughs> you know, we, I, it's a sincere friendship. I, you know, and Chris, it's great meeting you. Well, drinking friends are the best friends. So they are. Yeah, they, absolutely. They truly are. So, uh, so let me ask you this last question. Someone's seen the show today. They find all this intriguing. They're like, I'd really like to get into this kind of hobby of, of uh, looking at mm-hmm. older bottles. And, and Where would you send them as a good sort of starting place? Is there a website? Is there a book? Is there a, a place bourbon. you could go? Straightbourbon.com. Go to straightbourbon.com. Pack some patience with you because it's going to take a minute to, yeah, to, to, to kind of unpack all of this. Right, uh, there's a but there's yeah. there go into the history of it. Right, there's a there's a history section. I love how I was I was able to distract you to talk and Ian was able to sneak another <laughs> another drink. Hey of man, the, uh, drinking's uh, meant, it's meant for sharing, right? So <laughs> uh, you know the uh, but straight straight bourbon is is a great that's a that's a wonderful resource and that that's Good. a website that that Chuck Cowdery has been uh, uh, and Mike Veach have both been a big part of for for thirty years basically. Wow. So um, there, there's a whole wealth of information on there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, for being on the show. Can we call you our vintage spirits expert? Is you that can okay? call me whatever you want, man. Okay, just, cool. just call me. <laughs> that yeah. means we have to have you back on the show from sure. time to time hey, and, yeah. uh, and do this again. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, All right cool. Well, uh, again, thank you for being here. Ian, we're off next week for Thanksgiving. Uh, and then the week following on December 1st, Gregory Doxakis returns, one of our all-time favorite guests. Docs, one of our all-time favorite guests here on Smoking and Toasting. And uh, no offense, Alan, but, you know, Docs, <laughs> Docs is kind of the bomb. Docs, and, Docs uh, brings the rum, buddy. He brings the rum. And the, and, and the cognac sometimes. He, yes, that's right. And, uh, he's and, also, and people whose parents call in and oh that was like one of the one of the greatest thing ever one of the greatest (laughs) things ever so uh so we're looking forward to that and then we'll be uh from there we'll be just kind of like on a on a sled downhill into the holidays and we have a couple other cool special guests on the way we'll be doing some holiday shows and i can promise you we will do a christmas ale 
blind taste test before the month of December is up. So we'll be looking forward to that. So uh, thank you again for sharing with us and for uh, drinking with us. And this was so much fun, and I appreciate it. And, Ian, it's always good to see you, my friend. Glad I was able to escape downtown this week. And until we meet again, my friends, the week after Thanksgiving, uh, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Lachaim.